You're listening to The Issues Podcast. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This is an episode of The Issues Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Russ, Tom Brennan, and Martin Wickens. So in a recent episode of the Issues Podcast, we picked up the topic of separation, and today we're going to do our first part two of the season, uh, and with that, we're going to continue this. And before we jump into the the second part of this, though, I did want to say this and maybe kick this around with you guys for a second, but I think that the, the topic of separation tends to be associated more with a harsh uh, temperament and approach, uh, a heavy-handed kind of ministry style, um, a legalistic mindset. And I walked away from our conversation talking about ecclesiastical separation, biblical separation, all of all of what's involved there, especially going back and, and reviewing some of, of the, the teachings on uh, separation from Pickering and all that. I walked away edified. I didn't walk away beat down. Yeah, I, and I think you're right, but I think part of the reason that people feel that way is because we let our opponents paint the picture. Okay. The people you don't think who are you don't the, think the we've shot our foot are, off occasionally? Oh no, of course we have. But <laughs> our our opponents love to take those examples and hold them up as not just examples, but as uh, illustrations of mm-hmm. what everything is, and it's 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 not fair. Or intellectually okay. honest, yeah. Uh, and so, so yes, have there been churches and people and men who have been unbalanced in separation and been harsh and been controlling and been all those things? Of course, there have been, and I, I don't mm-hmm. dispute that. But is is that whole concept built around harshness and control and domination? Absolutely not. It's eminently no. biblical. Yeah. Well, that was that's yeah. that's the point of my kind of my. Uh, my surprise as we finish the conversation, it's like, so, you know, you know, the difference between a heavy conversation and an encouraging one. And mm-hmm. it truly was an encouraging conversation. If, if not to our listeners, than it was to me. I mean, I, I, I walked away thinking, man, that was really, really helpful to me to discuss that with you both. Uh, I think that true biblical separation edifies. I know that it does. It builds up. It's not about what you're losing and, and who you can't hang around or mm-hmm. what you can't do. Or, you know, which movies you can't see. I don't know. You can just put anything in there you want. It's truly about being separated under the Lord. And who wouldn't want to be closer to the Lord? Right. I don't think any means justifies the end, even the end that we're talking about here. If the means Mm. is ungracious and legalistic in the truest sense. But when we're focusing on the result and we're looking at the benefits of, like you said, walking more closely with the Lord, uh, it's an edifying thing. It is a helpful thing and and necessary. Yeah. So, Brother Russ, you and I both grew up in in conservative, independent Baptist preachers' homes. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, after after knowing you for a little while, I think we were both essentially taught the same principles and the same applications by and large. But Martin, you did not grow up in that kind of a home. You were reached later. did the missionary who reached you, did he emphasize personal separation? Did he discuss it? If so, how did he do that? How did that? Yeah, well, I was going to that church from when I was, you know, five, six years old or something, maybe a little bit older than that, eight or nine. And, you know, he, he definitely held to conservative um, standards of personal separation in, in clothing and behavior, music, and was absolutely unique in that area. There were very few who would be under the umbrella of IFB and hold into standards of, of modesty and music and things and other, you know, uh, principles of personal separation. So it is something I grew up under. I remember being in, in um, kind of towards uh, my teen years, in the teen years, and he taught through a uh, kind of a manual, I guess, called Man in Demand. And it went through like haircuts and, you know, stuff that teenage boys need to be taught about. But a lot of it was, you know, personal separation as well. Mm -hmm. But it was no one 
outside of our church would have had any kind of uh, agreement with a lot of things that are a lot more common here. And you couldn't have even gone like Brother Russ and I growing up. We went to conferences and meetings and, you know, youth conferences and stuff like that where there were a bunch of other people that were, had been had been taught similarly mm-hmm. to us. You didn't have that either. No. You know, growing up, I probably knew of a half dozen other churches in the country um, that were similar. And so when you got together to have a camp, and camp tends to be one of those areas where degrees of personal separation can can reveal themselves. Um mm-hmm. You know, there was just nothing, you know, very, very few other opportunities. And it did lead a lot of us teenagers to looking around and saying, who am I ever going to marry? Like, who is there that's on the same page yeah. as as yeah. I am? And um, So, yeah, it, it was kind of there, but it was a unique situation. Hmm. Well, based on our conversation last, Martin, I mean, I'm all for making this an interview of Martin Wickens, to be honest with you. The ratings would be incredible. <laughs> Um, well, but, you know, uh, our good friend in, uh, was it Walker Bible Baptist church, Eric, he, he did ask that I speak out oh, a yeah, little bit more. Yeah. So, um, Eric, if I do it, you know, it's through your encouragement. <laughs> Eric was a big fan of Martin. We got to meet Eric together. Uh, actually, Martin, you introduced me, but we were at the same meeting. So, and, and mm-hmm. his pastor is, uh, Nick Russo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, you know, Pastor Russo and his sons, uh, it was just a blessing to meet all of them. But Amen. Well, so my question for you was going to be essentially anything that we discussed in the last episode, did it did you did you hear anything that Tom or I said or or anything that we talked about as a whole that just did not resonate with you? You know, I'm thinking from your background you know, or, or was everything we talked about like, yeah, that's, you know, because I think we really did try to take the biblical approach with it, but yes, I, I was just curious. No, it was all very familiar again. And I think that was because I had um, an American missionary as a pastor. He, he went to the school of applied studies at Bob Jones, you know, back in the day. And so he came out of a, a very, you know, somewhere that did have an idea of, of personal separation and of ecclesiastical mm-hmm. separation. Um, and then when I went to college, the churches I knew there, they they opened my horizons a bit more to, you know, the World Council of Churches and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of it was familiar to me. Mm-hmm. And where did you go to college again? Do you remember? Uh, Manual Baptist Bible College. I'll never forget. I never forget it once. Or <laughs> that very first podcast we did, and he goes, "Oh, I can't remember." <laughs> he literally <laughs> blanked out, and I was dying. I'm like, "That's he's been hilarious. known to do that." Like when he's asked to sign Bibles, he blanks out. When he's asked to name the college he went to, he blanks out. I'm sure he get concerned for our brother. Maybe he needs to take a little fish oil the, or something for his memory if problem. The, uh, if the Russo I brothers are watching. Pressure. Yeah, if the Russo brothers are watching, you might want to see if Martin actually put a Bible verse under his signature. Mm, don't think it happened, but anyway, uh, yeah, the inside jokes we won't even explain to our listeners. They'll, they'll get it. Okay, little Easter egg for the Russo boys, you know, uh, you know, signing Bibles that was not in my background, so I just wasn't <laughs> anticipating that. And um, I know we'll get letters, but that's all right. But you know, emails, underneath emails my name. Uh, yeah, <laughs> underneath my name, add Job 2310. Okay, that was the one I was trying to think of, and I blanked. So there you go. Oh, my goodness. That's what says they're still tasting the white of an egg or something. Is that what that is? Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> there are worse There are worse verses that you could sign. Um, I'm quite oh, yeah. confident. What was that, that yeah. comedian who signed the wrong verse, and I can't remember his name? Um, of course we, you we can't remember his name. We weren't allowed to have fun growing up. I don't know what a comedian is. So that's right. Just kidding. Come on now. We didn't go to the beach. We went to the shore. <laughs> <laughs> so the so with with all that said, and and now that Martin's interview is done, uh, we want to continue the topic. Really, we talked more about the idea of what is separation, and then applying that with uh, churches. You know, ecclesiastical separation, ministry cooperation, etc. And if you haven't picked up on that episode yet, you can go back one and, and listen to that because it really was, I think, insightful. Um, and uh, it, it, it helped 
me and I mentioned that already, but it helped me with just more of a more of a biblical foundation with some of that. And so that's good. But today we want to really go into the idea of, of personal separation and what what that means with um, personal separation versus maybe more of the ministry side. Uh, now, what about the individual side? And then talk a little bit about how those things apply from person to person as well. So who would like to start us? Where do we start from here? How do we want to kick this topic off on personal separation? I think if you're going to look well, at I separation... Think I think to start from the position of saying that if you don't agree with me on personal separation, then you're less holy than I am. I just love that Martin just railroad, like completely steamrolled Tom. And Tom just looked no, up like... I didn't. Tom looks up, he's like, Martin's talking, I'm going to let him talk. Clearly, <laughs> since the last time we... Since the last time we recorded, he took that assertiveness seminar I recommended. <laughs> We're never going to get to the no. topic. <laughs> and obviously, I didn't mean that. But that's one of the issues that gets raised with personal separation, isn't it? That, you know, it's my way or the highway, and there's mm -hmm. a lot of uh, self-righteousness about it. And so it would be good to kind of... So how do you that. guard against that then? How do you guard against that? Why don't you take this, Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you you guard against it by again applying the scripture. Now, I would I would say first thing on my mind was when you said, "How do you guard against that?" Is everyone needs to go read Romans fourteen? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that that is the first thing that came to my mind because truly it balances the whole issue out because there are going to be differing degrees of personal separation. But Romans 14 is a bit of a sticky wicket because I think in my experience and opinion, both a lot of people run there when they shouldn't be running there. I, I wouldn't say it's my experience because I never heard a sermon on it until I preached on it after I became a pastor. I'm not going to lie, I, I, and, and I'm not throwing my, my heritage and history under the bus, by the way, when I say this, because I'm just saying when I studied that passage out to preach, uh, it blew my mind, and I'm like, I've never even heard. <laughs> you know, I, I heard a few verses out of it, uh, whatsoever is not a faith of sin. See, yeah, that's interesting, because essentially you're revealing an unbalanced emphasis in previous generations, and I agree with that, because when I wrote my book on holiness— I chose not to write about separation. Uh -huh. And I said in the book, I'm doing it on purpose because there's already a million books on separation and not nearly enough emphasis on holiness. Right. So I saw that same unbalanced emphasis from a little, maybe a little different angle than, than what you're talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. And th there's so much in the new Testament. So I would, I would make the case that where Martin brought up the issue of where the battle is, is usually where, one person believes they're right and, and other people say, no, you're not right. It, it's usually in the proverbial gray areas where Romans 14 is really helpful. So where Romans 14 applies is where I generally feel as if most of the battles ensue. Now, you, if you're talking about like liberal theology and things of that nature, where the inerrancy of scripture, deity of Christ and all of that is being denied, you're going to immediately, just like when we studied the book of Jude, right? Uh, you're going to see where that translates into, into immoral behavior after a certain amount of time. So I'm not, I'm not talking about like clear cut uh, issues in the Bible. I'm talking about the things where you got one brother who's strong on salvation, strong on his doctrine, uh, on on all of the key issues, all the fundamentals of the faith, if you will, but they disagree very heavily on something uh, relating to separation or even okay. practical holiness. I, I get that, but how can you? And I'm not asking you to defend it. I'm, I'm reaching for an illustration mm -hmm. of something that I have heard people defend and that to me is indefensible. Okay. So let's take mixed swimming, for example. Okay. I referenced, you know, we don't go to the beach, we go to the shore. But going to the beach, and it's not the sand that's wrong, it's not the water that's wrong, it's not the, it's not the act of swimming that's wrong, it's being around right. unclothed people that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I know some some good people that defend that as under under Romans 14, which is where I'm coming back to this with you, sure. you defend that under Romans 14 
And I look at that and I say, well, how can you not see that violate Psalm 101? And I will sit in a wicked thing before mine eyes. And how can you not see mm-hmm. it provokes temptation? You could pray the Lord's Prayer, lead us not a temptation, but then you go walk flat out into it. I don't. So there's some things that are not. There's some things that people defend as, you know, I have my Christian liberty in this area, but they don't. They're just flat out wrong. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think going back to, you know, for me, I would start with, okay, what are the fundamentals of the faith? The the undeniable truths that the Bible teaches that nobody, for me to consider a Christian or for me to consider the Bible considers Christian you know, what are the fundamentals of the faith? And then I take it a step further and say, okay, what are the the applications I make from that? And so, you know, and this where this is where Romans 14, where personal liberty may come into it a little bit. Um, but what may cause one person to stumble and not be holy may not be same the same for someone else. Um, yeah. So, Avoiding certain areas and personally separating from certain situations might be more necessary for someone more than someone else. Does that make any sense? It does. So, for example, I'm not tempted by alcohol at all. I never tasted it. It doesn't appeal to me. I'm not bragging on that. I'm just giving that as an illustration. So for me to walk into a Buffalo Wild Wings and sit down and have lunch and the fact there's there's a bar across the room, that doesn't impact me at all. But I pastor people that would be very damaging for because they have a great deal of temptation in their past and yielding to temptation for alcohol. And so, mm-hmm. yes, I understand that concept, Martin, that there's some people that should separate from things that other people shouldn't. But I think, wouldn't you agree that there are people that would use that as a defense that should not? Yeah. I, yeah, I believe that would be. Okay, well, good. Then he agrees with me. We're all good then. <laughs> but I guess I my feel like we started. Is, I feel like we started at the end of the conversation. By the yeah. way, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's this is a conversation, yeah. right? It's not a lecture. We're not teaching. That's, we're we're that's right. We're, we're talking. Yeah. We 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 planned some stuff. We thought about it, but we're we're having an actual conversation. Yeah, this is this is no, an unplanned conversation in the truest sense of the word. <laughs> But well, I mean, the, what is the, what's the goal of personal separation? In, in worst case scenarios, it can be about an abusive situation where one person is trying to hold up a you know set of standards to control the people under his influence. But you know, what would we say? Okay, so that might be his is, his um, is the goal of separation. Yeah. So uh, uh, you know, if we start with the goal, what's the goal of, of personal separation? Uh, it depends how you want me to answer that, but I, I would say to be holy. Briefly. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's my brief answer, to be holy. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And and holiness is about walking close with the Lord. You know, it's, it's not about earning salvation or anything like that, but it's it's being sanctified, separated onto God and having a holy life. Yep. Yep. And, and so is holiness... Uh, is it a byproduct of walking close to the Lord? Is it so? You know, then then I start to think: is it is is the answer to separate unto the Lord and away from the world? You know what I mean? Okay. If we focus on the list of do's and do nots, that doesn't make you holy, right? But you're right because holiness is a matter of the heart. Holiness is a matter yes, of the heart, is. and you could you right. can you can do not a do not and do a do and your heart's still not in the place uh-huh. where it will be. Uh-huh. But it does not then follow that there are no thou shalt and thou shalt nots. Correct? Just because you can yes. you can be separated. So to, to, to be more, I think, maybe clear here, you can be separated and be unholy. Separation is not the same as holiness and it doesn't necessarily produce holiness. Okay, but my point is that you can't be holy without being separated, right? Yeah, because that's you're true. not fo- you're not following Scripture. You're not doing what God told you to do. He Himself mm-hmm. said, "Right, what concord hath Christ with Belial? What concord? Or, you know those that passage in, in in Corinthians, that whole idea. There's no communion. There's no fellowship there." John says in First John chapter number one. We, we lie, we deceive ourselves if we walk in the darkness and he's in the light and we tell ourselves we're good, we're not. And so we can't be holy without being separated. 
And so that's why I think holiness is the end or the purpose or the goal of separation. Mm -hmm. But separation can't be the goal in and of itself. And I think there's where we may get to some unbalanced applications of it, especially in the independent Baptist background of the past 40 or 50 years, where separation had essentially become a goal in and of itself. Well, that's that's worthy of saying that's that's a worthy statement. Right. I mean, but but the opposite is true. And you kind of said this earlier better than I'm probably going to say it now. It doesn't then follow that if people were separated for the wrong reasons, that we should just not live separate lives. Correct. Yeah. See, I told you you were going to say it better, but you know what I meant. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I do know what you mean, and I think our listeners understand what you mean. So, yeah, so the, the problem is, in, in the proverbial, we throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? We we right. see someone do the right thing in the wrong way or for the wrong reasons, and so we don't do that right thing that they did because we were disappointed by them. And I, I really believe that a lot of our a lot of our my generation kind of rejects some of this these talks about personal separation because they feel, and that's operative terminology, as if it were it was misrepresented to them. Right. And I think Tom mentioned something there. One of the ways they kind of reject it is they see it as just a list of rights and wrongs. And it's like checking items off a list. And that alone doesn't equate to achieving the, the goal of holiness of walking close to the Lord. But it doesn't make the lists wrong because they still have them. And they mm-hmm. just call them something different. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point, Martin. And I think, and we've talked about this uh, maybe personally, uh, or maybe it was in an online conversation, that one of the things that, that and, and I think you agree with me on this, that previous generations did not wrongly, maybe imperfectly, is they emphasize separation by drawing a very clear line. And the result was people who lived inside that line knew they were separated and thus were in good shape, but they didn't learn the discernment that was necessary to draw their own lines. So to give an example of what I'm talking about, I grew up in a home without a television. My parents did not own a television. Um, I, when I got married, I chose not to have a television in my home for the first probably 10 years we were married. People gave us televisions. I gave them back. And what flipped the switch in my mind, I have a television in my home now. Um, what flipped the switch in my mind is when the internet came along and we were watching streaming movies on Netflix on my computer screen. And it was this big cathode ray computer screen and, uh, that I had to pick up and monitor, had to move, rearrange everything to watch a movie on a little 13-inch screen. And, and I'm like, what is the point of continuing to assert I don't own a television if I'm doing the exact same thing on a computer screen? And of course, now 15 years past that on my phone. Mm-hmm. So the issue is not... Okay, if you're going to be a separated individual and thus a good Christian, you can't own a television because so much stuff on television is bad. I agree. Lots of stuff on television is bad. I think the wiser thing to do would have been to teach principles of discernment about how you exercise the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in your conscience to realize what is good to watch and what is bad to watch and separate over separate yourself from those bad things rather than the television itself. Does that make sense? All right. Right. It does. And it sounds to me like where we're talking now is primarily in the area of separating from wrong activities. But don't you think that biblical separation also might mean we can't be around certain people? Absolutely. I think it has to mean that. It has to mean that because we believe that for our children. I mean, we, I hope so. if there were, yeah. yeah, of course, if there was someone and we knew that they were dealing drugs or doing the wrong kind of stuff, or even, even just disrespectful to authority and had a bad spirit or whatever, we might say, you know, I'm really going to keep my child from having a you know, prolonged exposure to their company. Um, we can't help but be influenced either. And so there, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. We have to be yeah. careful about that. Uh, Amnon had a friend, right? Jonadab. Yeah. That that old that whole story. Uh-huh. Proverbs make no friendship with an angry man. Uh-huh. There's, there's a lot of teaching like that in the Word of God. Martin. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Last night I was preaching on, um, I'm doing a series at the moment called Three Kings, and I'm covering the rise, a revival, and then the removal of the kingdom of Israel. And the second message was on King Jehoshaphat, and 
he made several unwise alliances throughout his reign. One was to do with the marriage. He married his son off to King Ahab's daughter, Athaliah. He had an unwise alliance to go to war and an unwise alliance in commerce. And every time it brought about problems for him and for his kingdom, and especially in the, the context of his son. But every time, you know, he, he was described as walking after, you know, the, the right paths and he's remembered as a good king. But his lack of personal separation from Ahab and Ahab's son Ahaziah is really what brought him down in many ways. Mm-hmm. That's a great application of that. Or example, of that. yeah. And, and of war, course, commerce you know, and relationships. I mean, that's that's a three big circles of personal separation, isn't it? What were the three you said? War, commerce, and marriage. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that covers a lot of territory there, Martin. In that sentence. Uh, yeah, it well, is. thank you I'll for listening you, to the podcast you right now. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Separation to me is not is not a tool or like I've preached through Ephesians. Probably most of you, both of you guys have, and many of our listeners, of course, all of our listeners. I hope have read the book of Ephesians. We find the the armor of God in Ephesians. You know, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, etc. Separation is not one of those weapons or one of those tools. Separation to me is a strategy. It's how you employ those it's how you use those right it it helps you to avoid fights you don't necessarily have to have i don't mean with people i mean with your flesh with yourself with with your 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 own wrong tendencies if you can avoid things that will make it worse for you avoid people that will make it worse for you it's a strategy of trying to live the christian life that makes it simpler or smoother Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because because nobody can. Yeah. Exactly. You've got to have you've got to have guardrails, right? So you've got to have something that keeps you in line, um, and you've got to avoid the things that bring you out of line. Well, and I was just looking up this verse, by the way, as well. Um, in Matthew chapter eighteen, it talks about the brother who trespasses against you, and you're supposed to go tell him your fault, and if he won't listen, then you go bring two or three with you. If he still won't listen, you bring it to the church. And then the Bible says, if he will not hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Um, there was to be a separation. Romans 16, I believe it is, says those that uh, are, they, they, they're, they uh, I can't remember the exact word. Mark, mark them which walk. Yeah. Contrary. Yes, exactly. And avoid them. Mm-hmm. Avoid. Yeah, you can't you can't be around stuff like that. And some of that's for their good, some of that's for years. Yeah, well, showing us the personal separation. And even we've fallen into this. We tend to think more about superficials, perhaps. But um, like you've been saying, and I think there was a Bible verse one of you quoted earlier. Um, but you know, there are attitudes and temperaments that we need to avoid as well. And, and somebody who has been um, you know, disfellowship from a church under church discipline were to avoid them because it's a hindrance to the goal of Christ-likeness. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of it Proverbs is. 22, 24, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man that shall not go. Right. So it may not be one of the areas that we find a lot of people chafing against when it comes to personal standards and personal separation, but angry people, certain temperaments, we should not be closely allied yeah. with because we'll, we're drawn to it. So how, how do we respond, maybe to take the conversation in a little bit different direction? So one of the criticisms that I've gotten in my lifetime or come across as an argument against being separated, personally separated, is when you live that way, you can't reach people. You know, how can we reach a world we never touch, which I like as a song, but uh, you know, the, well, if you're so separated, you can never reach those people. The only thing you're ever going to do is stand on their door in a white shirt and a tie and hand them a track. They're never going to get saved. You're never with them. You're never around them. You know, Jesus didn't Jesus eat with, and here we go with this whole Jesus ate with the Pharisees and he ate with the, you know, the publicans. Yeah. So what is the, what is the biblical response to that? How do you balance separation with exercising compassion and reaching people? I put something out on Twitter earlier, and I think Tony Shirley's response to it really, 
answers that. He says, I think of trying to live in such a way that pleases the Lord and that is different enough from this world to make a difference in the world for his glory. So his first priority is living in a way that pleases the Lord, but being mm-hmm. different enough from so we can be a difference in. And and to me, that I don't know, I feel like that answers it. Is, is that kind of where you were headed? or? Sure. Yeah. No, I wanted to see what you guys thought. I think that's a good answer. I think it is. Uh, For instance, you know, and and I have, it always amazes me who's listening. So I need to make sure that I'm careful with personal illustrations. So we've all learned that. (laughs) I've had people tell me, oh, I listened to your podcast some. And I'm like, really? Okay. You know, because Martin and I were talking about this at the summit. We were up at Charlie Clark's conference together a while back. And Martin looked at me after someone walked up and said, Hey, love the podcast. And, and he looks at me, he goes, see, in my mind, nobody listens. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like the three of us are having a conversation. Yeah. We put it out there and Nobody's gonna listen to that. it's just yeah. out there in the clouds. So, yeah, but I, I'm around people in a ministry capacity. I'm around people, even in a family capacity, but it's not all the time. It, it's not as if there's a, there, we're not in the yoke together. So if I go oh, visit, that's good. That's good. so we're always here for Christmas. So I'll use Christmas as an example because it's it's a hypothetical. Um, but if if for Christmas we went and visited, you know, friends or family, let's say family out of state or whatever, and let's just imagine that my wife's family were heathens. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and we're doing all that, you know, and they're they're not where we're at or whatever. But we're there for a week or two, and my kids ha- are going to hang out with their cousins and whatever. I view that differently than if we were always there 100% of the time doing the same thing, buying into the same programs, playing on the same sports teams, going to the same public schools or whatever, and Mm -hmm. fully blending our lives. I view that different. So it's, it's not a consistent thing. I mean, in my ministry capacity, I'm around a lot of people who are unsaved, who they know who I am, they know what I do, and they may still, every once in a while, I get tested by some people like that. You know, they'll, they'll on purpose, they'll be a little carnal and I have to be careful. I do. I, I can't, there's some jokes I don't laugh at. I can't laugh at them. Um, right. There are some conversations I have to walk away from. So I'm going to do that because it pleases the Lord. I'm also going to, like you mentioned the armor of God earlier, Tom, I'm also going to try to have the armor of God on while I'm doing those ministries because you're at, you're at war you're in enemy territory when you're ministering because you're among those who are not separate. They're not separated. They're fully indulged. I mean, they're all the way into the world. So I like the balance of Tony's statement, Brother Tony, uh, where he says, I want to live in such a way that pleases the Lord, that makes me different from the world, but I also want to make a difference in the world. And I think that's a good balance to strike. And so to answer Tom's question of how do we do that, I think you have to keep that as the goal. Like you, you have to remind yourself of that and keep your goal there and make sure that you're always pressing toward that mark. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a fallacy to say you have to be like people to reach people. Correct. Right. And I would never want what I just said to be misunderstood as having said that. It, it wouldn't because you were, you were saying the exact opposite thing. And I think you made a great point there. And it took me back to my days in college. You know, before I was a pastor, I'm working as a union guy at a steel factory. You know, that's how I paid my way through college. The majority of guys working in that steel factory were unsaved, godless men. It showed in their conversation. It showed in mm-hmm. their activities. It showed in their priorities and how they spent their time, spent their money, etc. And I was able in my time there to reach several of those men for Christ, but I never participated in the stuff they did, didn't laugh at the stuff they laughed at, right. didn't try not to be snotty, tried not to be you know, holier than thou. And I think one of the things that's essential for, you know, I think of the the church members I have that listen to this podcast to, you know, they don't work at the church like me. They they work in the world Mm -hmm. is to draw Mm -hmm. those clear lines with the people that you work with. These are the things I'm not going to do. I'm not going to drink at the work activities. I I may have to show up at this work meeting, but I'm not going to drink at it. You know, I'm I'm not going to laugh at those jokes. I'm not going to go those places. Yeah. And that draws a line and it makes you different. Right. Well, at the same time, you're not looking down on people as if you're better than yeah. them. I think you have to marry those two. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's a huge part of it. But then going back to what we said earlier, and Martin, I think this thought originated with you. Um, there may be varying degrees of this thing 
of personal separation because of one's background or personal weaknesses. Okay, that's where Romans 14 and 15 really, really help me is because mm-hmm. ultimately you're going to see someone there who is weak in the faith and then one who is strong in the faith. And the one who is weak in the faith is not supposed to um, despise the strong and the strong is not supposed to be a stumbling block to the weak. Um, so for instance, my, for years and I'm Tom, I'm probably assuming maybe your dad would have been like this as well, but my, my grandfather would not go to a restaurant that served alcohol. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there was a reason for that. His father, my great grandfather, that was one thing he pounded. We don't do this. We don't drink. Right. And, and if you do, you know, woe be into you, you know, it wasn't even the fear of God. It was the fear of Luther Russ, you know, it was just the way it went. Um, <laughs> So he didn't do that. I also know some people who don't do things like that. They won't listen to certain types of music. We have a mutual friend who's like this, by the way, because he used to be a rocker. And he was involved in the culture of that. And the culture of that is just, it's it's blatantly immoral, ungodly. Um, And so he says, I can't hear some of that music without it taking me back to a particular place in my, in my background. And I know we always like to quote Paul when he said, forgetting those things which are behind, but I would invite you to read that passage. He listed all of the things that were behind right before he said to forget them. They were still (laughs) cognizant. They're still in his memory. The forgetting was a discipline. It wasn't that he had amnesia. Mm -hmm. So someone who has a weakness has to be, has to be wise enough. and, And all Christians have weaknesses, but they have to be wise enough to say, okay, I want to be a witness. I want to be this, that, or the other, but I, I'm going to have to withdraw myself and separate myself from this opportunity. And someone else is going to have to do that yeah. because it's weakness I, for me. And I think that's whether the weakness of the lists, I think lists are helpful as guidelines and guardrails. But I know there was a time in my life as a teenager when I was going through all the typical teenage angst that many went through. And I found when I listened to even classical music, which I believe is fine and moral and good, but my emotions just got away from me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what, listening to this, it's 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 not even neutral music. I think it's positive and moral, but in my current spirit, it's not good for my personal separation yeah. in terms of being in control and walking close with the Lord. Mm-hmm. My emotions take over. Um and so it's carnal, it's carnal as opposed yeah. to spiritual. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I have a, a, cr- so, a song like yeah. that. It's a it, there's a Christian song and it's a particular track, and it's much like some of the other tracks that I listen to. Except when I get to it, I'm like, man, that's not going to work for me, and I, I can't wrong. explain it. Yeah, yeah. So that there's where the word personal comes in. I think there's a corollary to this. I don't disagree with anything either of you said, although I'm struggling to picture Martin as an angsty teenager. I just don't. (laughs) Oh, you got to go to a conference with him. (laughs) (laughs) So far, I've dodged that bullet. (laughs) No, no, no. Not for long. How many of our listeners would like to email, write, DM us, whatever, private message us, and uh, encourage us to do a conference trip as a trio and record at that conference. That's something that we're looking into, but I think that we'd probably get banned from most conferences. So we're going to start our own and uh, just show up at a mutual location, I guess. I don't know. That'd be so fun. Start our own might be a bridge too far, but yeah. You may not like it. Uh, Martin gets a lot of attention at these conferences. I've been there for two of them now and I'm like, what do you mean I might not like it? What kind of a, what kind of a, Uh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying you and I could just go sit in the corner and and watch, you know, watch the crowds go by and Martin will be up on the, up on the platform before long. I don't. The I corollary. The corollary. corollary. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I forgot what the corollary was. <laughs> so the corollary is, that, your point was that, that you have to know your strengths and weaknesses and separation applies differently for you than it may for somebody else because you have different weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I think the corollary to that is you have to know the weaknesses of the people over whom you have stewardship. Yes. Yeah. So fathers. Uh-huh. There may be something that's perfectly fine for you. That is not perfectly fine for your children. A hundred percent. And it's not hypocrisy. It's not hypocrisy. And this is what gets hurled at parents. Well, you guys do things or go places or watch things. Okay, but it's not the same. And I'm not trying to excuse hypocrisy. But but if I know that someone in my home has a particular weakness, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to draw the lines around to exclude that to protect them because that's my responsibility. It's the same thing's true as a pastor in the sense of, you know, as a church, if I know my church is struggling with a, per- a certain thing, I think the same thing's true there. So it's not just ourselves. It's mm-hmm. the people over whom we have, we have not custody. That's not the right word. Stewardship, I think is the right word. Stewardship. Yeah. I'm trying to find, and you guys keep talking, I guess. I'm trying to find this passage of scripture. I believe it was Paul writing to the Corinthian church where he said, I'm just, I can't find it right now, so I'll find it later. But basically, Paul was giving instruction. He said, if you sit down to eat at one of the Gentile homes and they put meat offered to idols on the table, of course, that was a big issue to the Romans 14 mm-hmm. crowd. And he said, and you're there, but there's also a brand new Christian right there. And so you're at the, you're at the home of a lost person and they're serving this meat. And maybe you're even there in a, in a ministry capacity, whatever. Uh, and then you've got a, a weaker brother next to you that you have no problem eating that meat because you know there's nothing wrong with it and you have the liberty to do that. But -hmm. because your weaker brother is there, that you should choose rather than offending the weaker brother. If you had to choose between offending the weaker brother and the host, you should choose to offend the host and not the weaker weaker brother. Because Mm -hmm. our responsibility is to that individual and their growth in the Lord. And the lost person, if they ever do come to Christ, will respect you more for that in the long run than if you just said, well, you know, he, he'll, he's a weaker brother. He can just put up with, with this. He'll be fine. And I, I wish I could rem- remember that, but, but it kind of goes back to the whole idea that the love that we have for one another ought to be so strong that we're willing to, willing to in honor, prefer one another, even in those areas of, of spiritual liberty. I mean, it, it was a powerful passage. I hope it's in the Bible. I remember it being in the Bible. Yeah, I think it's First Corinthians ten, isn't it? First Corinthians okay. ten. You may be right. Yeah, I'll look it up. Um, but no, I think that's right, and that's where personal separation isn't one of those areas that's easy to apply in many ways because mm-hmm. it's not that truth is circumstantial, but the fallout and the appropriateness of certain things. Um, and, and again, we're all in Monday mode, I think. And so it's like I vaguely have a memory of a Bible verse that says. Um, but I was trying to buy myself some time to remember. Uh, hey, at least you got yeah, right, yeah, all things. All things are not. All things are lawful, but not expedient. That's right. Yeah. It was the expedient word I was stumbling on. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And so I think that's where this it can be a problematic conversation and where it's sometimes easier to say, okay, hard and fast, these are the rules of personal separation, which may work for a time, mm-hmm. but in the long run, it's not sufficient. There's got to be principles laid down and teaching discernment so that people can apply it on their own. Yeah. In the process, I mean, of, explaining that, in the process of explaining that, Brother Russ, you, you touched on another point, which I think is good. The lost world does not respect us less for being separated. Right. Hmm. Right. So because everybody in their environment, they don't take a stand on stuff. If they do, it's some wacko left wing stand. And it, it, you actually reach people better from a position of strength and from a position of weakness. And when you, in love and compassion and humility and charity, take a stand on something and separate yourself, that right. earns the respect of the lost world. Yes, they'll wow. mock you, but underneath that mockery is respect. First Corinthians 10, you were right, Martin. And I'm now I'm looking through it and it's, it, it's even more applicable, applicable than what I thought. It says that if you're, if any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go whatsoever you, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience sake. So that answers the question earlier of whether or not we're supposed to be around the lost. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's someone who is. But then it says, but if a man's there who says to you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat it not for his sake that showed it and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he says, conscience, I say not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? And then it goes into this whole idea of whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do to all the glory of God. The next verse says, give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Wow. Mm. Those are. Those are three different groups of people, aren't they? So we're, we've talked a lot about separation. Now we're talking about the practical living out of that and the graciousness of that separation 
the Bible says we have to live in a way to, this is where Paul's talking about, I please all men and all things. Um, in context, that's very powerful because the only way it's possible to do is in the spirit. Paul, Paul is so thoughtful in that passage. Of course, he's always thoughtful, but he's so thoughtful in that passage of other Christians and other people. He's not standing on his own rights and hollering that he has, he can do whatever he wants. He's very thoughtful of other people in direct appliance of this. I think a case could be made for if I go to someone's home and they live a different level of separation than I do, for example, right? Well, I'm there, I will abide by theirs and I will not resent them for it. I've been in people's homes where they don't think that, that boys should wear shorts. Not going to get into the weeds of that one at the moment, but that's what they believed. So if, well, I'm in that home and my, my sons are there, then I wouldn't, you know, I would have my sons abide by whatever their line on that or their rule on that is, because that's mm-hmm. just being thoughtful of them and where they're at in their expression of Christianity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But don't you think that, that that level of consideration is being blasted as legalism today? Absolutely. That's and I just, get really, really, uh, I need to be careful because I'm going to get highly emotional at this point because it gets personal with me. Um, we crucify people and assert, mm. and you can see the carnality of it. We do the opposite of Paul in that chapter. We assert our right to live totally differently, blatantly in the face of someone who holds a different standard, and we're ugly in our spirit, and mm. all of that is ungodly. I agree. Mm. Yeah, and that's what struck me in that passage is so often – the reason for not being separated is what about the Jews and the Gentiles? But Paul said, don't give offense to the Jews, the Gentiles, or the church of God. Mm -hmm. And that third category, you know, fellow believers, like you were saying, Tom, we've got to give consideration to one another as well. Yeah. And and maybe this is, this conversation is like evolving into something other than separation. I don't know, but in your guys' church, don't you have some Christians who are stronger and some who are weaker? Sure. Don't you don't you have some who have a little bit they take a little more liberty than others do, some are a little more locked down. Mm-hmm. I mean, every church has that. One of the things is our church has grown, like it's grown to a place where I'm I'm really being forced to to grow and do a lot lot more praying, and I, I know that's of the Lord, but is the diversity of spiritual maturity in the church. I don't mean that mm-hmm. as a harsh mm-hmm. statement toward those who are not mature. I'm saying we have everyone from baby Christians being discipled at the very basic level, all the way up to mature veteran church members of 30 and 40, 50 years in some cases and how to get all of them to, to, to buy into that where we're not supposed to offend the Jew, the Gentile or the church of God. Holy cow. I mean, wow. What a, what a job. Uh, and that's, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. It's all the Lord, but I, I do the, right. the verse I, I thought of earlier. Work of the spirit, you know, it, yes. it's not something yes. we can do. And when we try to do it, everybody yeah. is the worst for it. But the, in the Bible is so, so thorough when it says what it says in first Corinthians 10. And then in the other text that I can't remember the reference of, but it says, do good to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. It's mm-hmm. like the Bible doesn't, there are no, there are no easy outs here. We, we're supposed to do good to everybody, but we ought to especially prioritize loving one another mm-hmm. because if the world doesn't look in and see a loving church, then what do we have that they would want? And so anyway, go ahead, Tom. A, a church like what you described, Stephen, that yours is becoming is essential, I think, for growth numerical growth, but even Christian growth, it's not hard to have a church that's all on one level. Right. You mm. just don't reach people. Mm-hmm. And so because you don't bring in anybody new, nobody upsets the apple cart. Everybody's fine. Everybody agrees about everything. And it's us four and no more. And there are churches like that. And I've seen churches like that. But churches right. that are aggressively going after people with the gospel, they're going to hold within their embrace an enormous number of worldly people, carnal mm-hmm. people who are at different stages or levels of learning and applying what the Bible's teaching specifically in this area of separation, which goes back then to what you said, Brother Martin, 
it's them following the Holy Spirit. I can't be, and my deacons can't be, and my teachers can't be, and my grouchy 50-year-old member can't be somebody's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to be year old. 50 year old been a member for 50 years. Yeah. I was like, cause aren't you 50? Is that, yeah, I, I can't, I can't be grouchy. I can't be the grouchy 50 year old member either. <laughs> yeah. That applies in a whole different 50 years, but, but yes, I'm sorry. it's, it's we, we have to, it's not that where they're at in their Christian life doesn't matter. And it's not that we don't preach or stand against things anymore. Mm-hmm. It's that the Holy Spirit brings us all along individually and growing us in the Christian life. Yeah. And we hurt people when we try to do his job. Yes. Oh, man. Ouch. See, I hope that I hope that our listeners listened to past the first 30 minutes and got to this point because this is gold. This is, this is so helpful. It, and, and it's less about the distinction or the distinctiveness of separation as in what it is and what it isn't. And it's more about the out outliving of it mm-hmm. and the outworking of it in our, in our, because as, as we, each of us practice this personal separation and it is vital. I mean, I, again, I hate that we didn't get to a lot of like the actual scripture texts that we had kind of listed out for us to go through, but it's all throughout scripture and the new Testament, the old Testament, both. But in doing that, we have to realize that the individual side of, of personal separation, you're going to find yourself at a different place than your fellow church member from time to time. Um, it may be even the majority of your fellow church members. And you have to realize you're accountable to God in that moment to both do what pleases him and to love others. Mm-hmm. So tremendous balance in everything that you guys have said today. I don't know if I added anything, but I know you guys were, you guys were on point. So thank you. Amen. Well, anything else to say, anything to wrap this up? We good. Martin, you have something pithy to say. People always want to hear from you. You want to, nothing to add. You want to read the Gettysburg Address or something? <laughs> I'm always expecting Martin to pop out a uh, quote by Margaret Thatcher. So, oh yes, yes, but it didn't happen. I didn't. I heard. Well, it. Hey, Martin, sure. have you ever heard the? Have you ever heard the statement she made on consensus? I'll find uh, it. Maybe, safety. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. I heard it the other day, and I'll, I couldn't. All I could think of was Martin Wickens. So, all right, we're gonna we're gonna finish this out and say thank you to all of our listeners who have uh, you've stuck with us. If you're if you're listening to this point, you you deserve an award. So, thank you so much for listening to the Issues Podcast. Mm-hmm.